What an exciting time we live in. What an exciting time with Christmas. Thank God for Christmas. Today we're studying the fact that Christmas is for all. Christmas is for everyone. Christmas is for every man, boy, woman, and girl. Thank God it's for all. Let's look at Luke 2, beginning in verse 8 in the message translation. It says, There were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them, and God's glory, remember this, God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. Have you ever looked at things and go, man, I wish I had some of these things that happened, some of these exciting things that happened in the Bible, and, and you go, I would have been this man of faith and power. and all. No, we would have been God's man of paste and flour, probably. We would have been terrified, too. We would have been like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? This is out of the ordinary. God's glory blazed among them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Isn't that interesting? Almost always when God does something, he has to tell us, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody. Say everybody. everybody. Shout it out. Say everybody. everybody. Come on. Say it again. Say everybody. Everybody, everybody worldwide. Not just in some people say, oh, this is just an American gospel. No, this is a worldwide gospel. A Savior has just been born in Davidstown. A Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're looking for. This is what you are looking for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. Let's look at this scripture just a little bit. In verse 9, it says, The glory of the Lord. That's talking about the Shekinah glory. That's the manifest presence of God. It's a, a fire, a brightness. A, a, you know, the, the glory of God was associated with Jesus' first coming. And I believe the glory of God is going to be associated with the second coming. Glory here literally means heavy with everything good, splendor, magnificence, and wealth. The glory of God was manifest when Jesus came the first time, and the glory of God is going to be manifest. It's going to become more common. It's going to be more and more upon the earth. God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh, and we're going to see more of the heaviness of God. And that's not the weightiness, not in a bad way, you know, like, oh, man, I'm burdened down. No, just the blessing of God. The power of God manifests His magnificence, His goodness. I believe before Jesus returns for His second coming, there's going to be God showing off and showing out more and more and more. Come on, and He's going to use you. He uses the church. He uses His people. The goodness of God. We're singing about the goodness of God. It comes running after us and chasing us down. That's what God wants to do. He wants His, blessed, His, His blessing on His people. Amen, He does. It literally means heavy with good, splendor, magnificence, and wealth. You know, it takes money to get the gospel out. It takes money to send to missionaries. It takes money to print Bibles. It takes money to print tracts. It takes money for, for, for you know, uh, uh, kids' ministries and things, orphanages like that. It takes money for those things, doesn't it? We're going to see more money coming. In Jesus' name. Luke 2 and verse 12 in the New Living says, And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. 
Now let's back up. He said, this is what you're looking for. This is going to be an amazing thing. This is going to be the Savior of the world. And then, really, that's what every man is looking for. We're looking for the Savior of the world. And it says, you'll find as a baby. That's just kind of shocking. Who would have believed that the Savior of the world, the one that we've all been waiting for, that they were looking forward to, some were looking forward to, some were just oblivious, but the one they were looking forward to, a baby in a manger? A baby in a feed trough? That makes no sense. And this is, to these shepherds, this was possibly, they're not sure, but possibly called the shepherd's field, where it's believed the angels appeared to the shepherds and told them the sign would be a baby in swaddling cloths. These shepherds may have been Levitical shepherds, and what they did is they watched over sheep, the sheep that were made, that were born and protected for the sacrifice. And when those sheep were, because the sacrificial lambs couldn't have any blemishes, remember? They couldn't be scarred by a nail or anything. They had to be perfect, just like the Lamb of God. Jesus was perfect because they were a type. They were a symbol. And so they would wrap these, these sheep in, in these claws to protect them from the whole time. And they said this baby was born in the same place that these sheep were being watched after and wrapped in the same type of cloths. So it had to be something. They went like, okay, well, this is a little different. This is a little out of the ordinary. Luke 2 and verse 13, the New Living says, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. Say favor. favor. You know, I'm God's favorite. Did you know that? And so are you. Think about this. It says, suddenly the armies of heaven. It wasn't just the one angel anymore. It wasn't just the glory that was associated with the one angel. It was the armies of heaven. I wonder what that looked like. Can you imagine? I, I really don't think we can imagine quite how it was. The armies of heaven manifest singing and praising and glorifying God for this baby that had come. Think about it. These shepherds, they were sitting out in the black of night. They're just out there in the dark. It wasn't like, you know, they had their phones and they were texting or anything, you know. They had flashlights. They were in the black of night. And really, that's a picture of every man and every woman's heart. We're in the black of night without God, without the light that Jesus brings. God revealed the birth of Jesus to common men. You say, oh, I know this, Pastor, you know, this is... Think about this. It doesn't matter skin color. It doesn't matter nationality. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you've believed in the past. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made in the past. It doesn't matter what, what nation you live in. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter if you're so educated that you're amazingly smart and you have all these degrees or you've never learned to read or write. It does not matter. Jesus came for you. And for me. I think we need to be reminded of that sometimes. You know, have you ever looked at someone? Don't raise your hand. You ever looked at someone and said, man, they're beyond hope. They're beyond salvation. Maybe some people looked at you in times past and said, you know, I'm not sure that even God could help them. But Jesus came for you and for me. 
God revealed the birth of Jesus to common men. To common. These shepherds, even if they were Levitical shepherds, they were still very common men. I find that interesting that the Bible is filled with common men. And many of the men that God really used, their name's not even in here. They're just called shepherds or just called wise men are just called the four men that carried the cripple. Many important people are not named by name. I want you to know today, you and I play an important part too. You and I are an important part of the body of Christ. You say, well, I'm not that important. Yes, you are. You're important. You may be the only demonstration of God and His love that some person you come in contact with, you may be the only one that they really know that's even a Christian. And sometimes we think, you know, oh, if I just work with all Christian, yeah, don't pray for that. If I just was only around and I didn't have this sinner in my life and I didn't, you know, and, and I just, if I could just get them out, if I could just cut them off somehow, listen, don't do that. Sometimes you want to, you want to go, you know what, I'm done with them, but none of you ever feel that way. I'll raise my hand for me. Because sometimes you do, you just think, okay, I've had it. And I'm not saying that you have to be best friends with people, but you continue to be an example of Jesus. Because if you don't be an example of Jesus, then that's just like, well, see, this thing's not real anyway. And it is real. God will give us the grace, won't He? Young, old, male, female, rich, poor, pretty, ugly, whoever. The gospel is for everyone. The anointed one came. Think about the angels singing. This thing that they've been waiting for salvation come to man can you imagine the angels in heaven and the angels manifest to those shepherds that night how loud that had to be how wild that had to be and sometimes in church if we get just a little bit loud or somebody raises their hand you know or somebody goes hallelujah you go what is their problem what is going on over there simmer down now settle down that's enough you know we don't want to be too fanatical you know, I, I, the amazing thing, I think, when, when a whole lot of those people get to heaven that have not been very fanatical, I think they're going to be just the wildest ones there. They're going to see Jesus, and they're going to fall at His feet and shout and rejoice. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we may as well do it now, right? There was great joy that day because something that, that they'd been waiting on for 4,000 years had just been manifest. Everything changed. Everything changed the day Jesus came. The possibilities. That's why we say it. You ready to say it with me? We were born for more. Look at the person beside you. Tell them, you were born for more. Come on, say it like you mean it. They need to hear it again. You were born for more. With Jesus, everything changed. There's unlimited possibilities. 
Everything changed. Luke 2 and verse 12 in the Amplified, it said, You will find after searching. Remember today, men and women, they are searching. They don't know what they're looking for. So many people really don't have an understanding. And they try all kinds of things. And finally, it's like the guy, it's like, well, you know, we've, we tried this. We talked to the experts. And then we did everything we knew how to do. And then we, you know, we did all this and we did all that. And said, I guess it's time to pray. We don't know what else to do. Maybe God can help us. You know, what if we go to God first? Is that right? Many don't know what they're looking for. And don't get upset with people. You didn't know what you were looking for either until you found Jesus. And then you went, man, this is what I've been looking for. Jesus, the real Jesus. The real Jesus. Say the real Jesus. Now, Jesus has been portrayed in all kinds of ways, different shapes and different ideas and whatever, but people are looking for the real deal. You know, don't, you don't have to be a pretend Christian. You don't have to be a perfect Christian. You don't have to pretend that Jesus is, you know, Jesus can stand up on his own. You just be who God made you to be. People are looking for the real love. Real love. Not that, why well, you just, uh, you know, I'll love you as long as you do everything I want type of deal. People are looking for real forgiveness, real joy, real freedom, real peace. The world today, it's, it's a crazy world we live in. They're looking for an abundant life, for real life. And that's what we have in Jesus. Think about it. In a feed trough, where did they find everything they were looking for? The angel said, you will find him after searching, and people will find Jesus after they search. And we pray, that's why we pray, the eyes of the understanding be open, because people are searching. Don't tell yourself that my friends, my family, that, that person that's got all these habits, they are searching. I think as a church, and, and not just us, but I mean the, the church, sometimes they think, no, people don't really have, they don't really want what I have. Yes, they do. They want what you have. They want Christianity to be real. They want that relationship that you have with Jesus to be real. Hallelujah. Where are you going to find Him? In a feed trough. The least likely place, the lowest place. It's like, well, you know, you always find what you're looking for in the last place you look. Right? Because you quit looking after that. Jesus, being born in a feed trough, he could have had an inferiority complex, couldn't he? Well, you know, I, I was, you know, not sure who my daddy was, and I was born in a feed trough, and my family was poor, and we traveled, you know, and we didn't have much to start, and my dad was a carpenter. And Real life. He said in verse 13 and 14, it says, On earth, what did Jesus bring? He said, Peace and goodwill towards man. Goodwill from God. Jesus came and brought peace and goodwill, not the wrath of God, not the anger of God, the peace of God, the salvation of God. Jesus bore that wrath. Jesus took all of that so mankind, all of mankind. That's why I think really, and we talk about it often, but it's amazing 
on the cross and what when Jesus was separated from God, you know, the sin of the entire world. It, it's beyond comprehension. And Jesus took all of that so you and I don't have to. Luke 2 and verse 14, the cotton patch translation says, Peace to mankind, the object of his favor. We celebrate Jesus coming to earth. It was a real and tangible demonstration of God's love to mankind and his love to you and to me personally. Let's look at Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 6. You're familiar with this scripture. This was prophesied by Isaiah over 700 years before Jesus came. Isaiah saw into the Spirit. He saw what would be happening at this time. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. It says, For unto us, unto us, stop there for a minute, unto us, unto us. It doesn't just say unto the rich, unto the smart, unto the powerful, unto the kings, unto the, the ones who are amazingly successful. No, he says unto us, unto all, unto every man, woman, boy, girl. Unto us is born. A son is given. A child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's just look at these names just for a little bit. You know, names mean something. Names in the Bible mean something. He says, His name shall be called Wonderful. Oh, my. Wonderful. Can we say that Jesus is wonderful? If you know Jesus, can you say He's wonderful? Come on. Can you say Jesus has been wonderful in your life? Has He been good to you? Is it a wonderful thing to know that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life? To know that Jesus is your Lord? To know that God is for you? To have His favor? To have His... That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Thank God, really. It's, you look at the Strong's Concordance of, of the meaning of these things, and it says wonderful means a miracle, a marvelous thing. His name shall be called a miracle, a marvelous thing, a wondrous thing. Knowing Jesus and having Jesus, it's a wondrous thing. His name shall be called Counselor. Well, what's a counselor do? A counselor is one that gives advice. Jesus is our counselor. He understands us. You know what? Jesus gets you. See, nobody gets me. My wife, my husband, my dad, my mom, my kids. Nobody gets me. You know what? Jesus gets you. Jesus understands you. Jesus understands everything you go through, everything you think, all of those problems. He understands. It says he's, in, in, he's tempted in every way that you were. He understands mankind. You know, God had to be redeemed. He had to send. Uh, man had to be redeemed by God, by a man. So Jesus came as a man. He gets us. He relates to us. Jesus walked where we walked. He was tempted. The Bible says he was in all points tempted, yet he never sinned. He grew up. I mean, he was, came as a baby. He grew up. He faced challenges just like we do. But he was perfect. He always stayed close to God. And he chose God's will over his own will. Even in the garden, even when he knew what he was going to face, he said, Nevertheless, not my will. He said, if it's possible, if there's another way, a plan B, this looks pretty rough. If there's a plan B, let's go with plan B. But if not, I am willing to do whatever. 
He stayed close to God. He stayed close to God's will. Let's look at Hebrews 4 and beginning in verse 14. The writer of Hebrews, I think it's Paul, but there's debate. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast. Hold on. Stick with it. Don't give up. For we do not have a high priest who cannot be sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, say boldly. Let us come therefore boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is our counselor. He's wonderful. He is the counselor. What do you need guidance in today? Maybe you need help in your marriage. Maybe you need help with those kids. Maybe you need help with your grandkids. Maybe you need help with your boss. Maybe you need help in your own life. What, what do I do, Lord? What, what's the next step? What do I do with this situation? What do I do with my finances? What do I do with my health? What do I do with this relationship? Sometimes holidays bring out relationship issues, unfortunately. Maybe what is that stress thing? that just wakes you up in the middle of the night. He is the counselor. God's got the answer. Let's go on. Wonderful counselor. It says he is mighty. Say mighty. Amen. You know, I serve a mighty God. I serve a big God. He is mighty what does that mean? In the Strong's it says he is powerful. He's the champion. He is strong. Hallelujah. That's who you serve. I, you've heard me say this. If you've been here very long, you've heard me say it so many times. Forgive me. But it's just amazing to me that the Bible, if you read Genesis 1, it says God was moving upon the face of the deep. Right, The power of God. God was moving. Church on the move. The, God's church should be moving with Him. But nothing happened until God spoke. He said, light be. And boom! All the stars. Billions of them. It says He spangled the stars. He went, doop. Like that. That means like, he, like you'd flip water off of your fingertips. He went, that's my God. And that's your God. Never question God's ability. And people don't often question God's ability. They question His desire. Don't question God's desire either. God loves you. He is mighty. He is God. That means strength. He's everything. He's the everlasting Father. When He talked to Abraham, when He appeared to Moses, and led Israel in the wilderness. Let's look at Genesis 17, and beginning in verse 1. God is strength. We're going to get something out of this. Stick with me. Genesis 17 and verse 1. It says, When Abram was 99 years old, 99, don't tell me you're too old. Anybody here over 99? No, you're not too old. Well, I'm 55 and I got my ARP card and I got me a new rocker. When Abram was 99 years old, 
99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, Almighty God. Remember this, Almighty God. We're going to look at the word in just a moment. I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. What did God tell Abram? He said, walk before me, serve me. And he said, I'm going to do some things for you that's going to blow you out of the water. He said, I'm God. I am Almighty God. And the word there is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, it means the God who is the all-sufficient one. He gives life. He nurtures. He pours out His blessing. He said, I am, and you could say it this way, I'm El Shaddai. I'm the God of everything. I'm the God of more than enough. We need to look at the names of God again, don't we? It's been a while. The all-sufficient one. The God who is more than enough. You look at that problem. You look at that situation. Just say, you know what? My God is almighty God. He's the God that's more than enough. God's able to take care of me no matter what. Hallelujah. Let's go on with the names here. Back to Isaiah 9. Prince. He says he's the prince. That's the head person, the captain that has rule, the chief, the Lord, the ruler, the prince of peace. That word peace is shalom. Shalom. That means well, happy, friendly, healthy, prosperity, and peace. That means, when you say shalom, that means nothing missing from your life. Say, well, I'm missing this big piece, or I'm missing this, I'm missing that. No, shalom means everything. He's the prince of peace. He's the provider of it. He's the head of it. John 14 and verse 27 Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't raise your hand. I've been troubled and afraid before. And so have you. He says, my peace, it's a gift from the Prince of Peace. And let's finish up. He says, he is everlasting. There is no beginning and there's no end with God. I remember as a little kid asking my parents and trying to figure out, you know, how, how there's no end in the heavens. It's like, well, there's got to be a ceiling, you know, and God had to have a beginning. God has to have an I mean, my little mind, I just could not comprehend that. And really, I still can't comprehend it. God is God. He's always been and He always will be. He's everlasting. I like that about God that I can depend on Him for today. I can depend on Him for tomorrow. I can depend on Him for a week from now, a year from now, five years from now. Have you ever thought about eternity? Forever. That's a long time. Everlasting, and He is Father. Say, Father. He is Father God. He's forever the same. He's the Father to the fatherless. No longer just a far away God, but now because of Jesus, He is my Father. Let's finish the story of the shepherds. Luke 2 and verse 15, the New Living. It says, When the angels had returned to heaven, think about it, after all of this, the angel came and told, and the glory of God, the weightiness of God, the heaviness of God, the anointing of God, the presence of God. I think those angels were probably knocked on their, or the, the shepherds were probably knocked on their back, just watching what was going on. And then all the heavenly hosts showed up, 
shouting and singing and praising God. I mean, can you imagine? You think about an atomic bomb going off, the light in the sky. It probably was a lot more than that. The angels returned after this. And the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. They still had to go find him. Just like we all do. Verse 17, And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. Who did they tell? Come on, shout it out. Who did the shepherds tell? They told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them. Now we keep God's promises in our heart and we think about them, don't we? Keep God's promises. Don't turn loose of God's promises. Think about them and even speak them out. I find it interesting. The shepherds went and they told everyone. They had an experience with God. You and I can't be afraid to tell everyone. Now, there's the right way to do it. I'm not talking about being an obnoxious Christian, you know, and just being, you know, constantly being in people's face. But I am talking about, I believe God gives us opportunities and we need to step into those opportunities. People that are going through things, you can say, well, you know, I went through those same things, but God helped me and he'll help you too. And can I just pray with you now? Simple. Just being available. It will amaze you how much God will use you. Have you ever prayed that prayer, God use me? If you will just say, okay, Lord, I am available. I won't be ashamed. I won't be worried what people say. I'm not going to be an obnoxious Christian. I'm going to be kind and loving and gracious. But I will be available. And I am available, Lord. Come on. They went and they told everyone. That tells me again. The message is for everyone. Verse 20. Let's go on. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they'd seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. They went back to their flocks? Are you kidding me? Think about this. The shepherds had a life-changing experience. They had a life-changing experience. And sometimes, maybe different people, it's interesting how God does different with different people. Sometimes people, when they make Jesus the Lord of their life, they just take it by faith. And you know... I think about anybody, you feel the weight of the world off and you think, man, praise the Lord. And, and, you know, my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life and my future's going to be okay and God's for me. And others, I mean, it's just like, you know, it sounds like, like I was caught up to the seventh heaven almost. And it's like, oh, you know, really dramatic. Now, don't be disappointed if you didn't have that kind of a salvation experience. You know? We take it by faith. We take it by the Word of God, and that's good enough, isn't it? But these angels, they had, or these, these shepherds, I'm sorry, I keep saying angels. These shepherds had an amazing experience when the angels showed up. And listen, don't pray to see an angel. Don't pray for a vision. Don't pray for any of those spectacular things. If God wants to do that in your life, He will do it. 
Don't ask for it. Because the devil may try to accommodate you. Don't ask for it. And almost always, any time in the Bible, when those type of things happen, when there's a, a real supernatural thing that's real dramatic, almost always then the person needed that because there was tough sledding ahead. So if the Lord, if there's nothing spectacular going on in your life, just go, all right, you're just going to serve Jesus, just send love people, just going to keep going ahead, doing the plan of God. Right? The shepherds had an experience. When we have that encounter with God and we receive that perfect gift, really nothing else matters but following Him. They left the sheep and they went to find out about this Jesus. Didn't they? Once you have that experience, you can't go back. Don't go back. Don't let the shiny things of the world lure you back. A new life awaits, an adventure of faith, serving Jesus. Nothing like it. The shepherds told everybody, let's go back here. Luke 2 and verse 20 in the message, it says, The sheepherders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly as they had been told. They went back. I'm sure they were loud. I'm sure they woke up everybody in town. This news, they celebrated, they shouted, but they went back. Went back where? Went back to their, this new ministry, and they wrote a book and called it The Shepherd's Field and went on TV and went around promoting it and signing books. No, they went back to the sheep. They went back to their normal life, but they were changed. There was something different about them. It's kind of a letdown. Have you ever been in, in, you know, you just, God, you just experience God, maybe a time of worship or a time when God just really speaks to you and you just go, oh man, praise the Lord. I just, I just know everything's going to be great and I know that's going to work out and I know my kids are going to be okay. And I just, you just have that confidence and you just, you just have that experience with God. And then you walk out the doors and you go home and you face the same circumstances and nothing has changed yet. And you go, oh, man, I'm back in just my normal life. These shepherds went back to their normal life, but they were changed. They'd seen the Savior. They'd had an experience with God. They knew things were happening. They knew the future was going to be bright. Many of the things we do, they are so routine, day in, day out. Don't get just weary with that and lose sight of the fact, really, even if you live to be 120 years old, it's just a blink of an eye compared to eternity, and that's what matters. Let's finish up here. Galatians 4, and beginning in verse 4 in the message, says, But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent His Son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. Set free to experience what God really wanted in our life. I love that. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the Spirit of his Son into our lives crying out, Papa! Father! Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you're not a slave but a child? And if you're a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. Jesus came to redeem man, to purchase us back.
to make you and me and anyone whosoever that will call out on the name of the Lord will be saved. To make us right with God. To make us not just slaves, but sons of God. People are so proud of their heritage, you know. Well, my, I, my name is, and I'm not picking on anybody, my name is Smith or Jones or whatever. Great. And you go back, well, we came over on the Mayflower. You know, great. Praise the Lord. But how much more special to be called a son, a daughter of Almighty God. Wow. I think some of us, I know in my life, you think, well, I've been saved a long time. I've been serving Jesus a long time. He's been Papa. He's been Lord. He's been my Father for many years. Don't lose the wonder of it all. The amazing gift that Jesus came as that baby. And He he came to die for you and for me. He came for relationship with you and for me. He came to make me right with God so I can have a relationship with God. I value, I treasure the relationships I have with, with friends, with pastors, with different people. I treasure those things. But how amazing that you and I have a relationship with God. Don't just take it for granted. You know, oh, oh uh, I need to pray today. Oh, God, oh, love you, Father. Oh, thank you. Help me today, Lord. Don't just take it for granted. Amen. Understand this. You may have been told, you know, you were not the favorite in the family or you were unloved or maybe you felt unloved. I think the devil tells everybody, especially, you know, teenage years that, that, that they're not loved maybe as much as somebody else or... You know, they wish they'd been in a different... There's no second-class children in God's family. There's no unloved children. Each and every one are so cherished. You say, well, that one's got a lot of growing up to do. Yeah, so do I. I saw one of the teachers, Doug Jones, one of the, and he's been an instructor at Rhema, and, and been, he said the, the last few years, the more he's studied and the more he's trying to learn to, to teach the students and be a blessing to the students, he said, the more I realize I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I understand that. Thank God for what we do know. You and I are loved beyond comprehension. Let's finish. The day heaven touched earth. John 3 and verse 16, you know it. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son, and this is why. So that no one, say no one. Think about that. That means everyone. That means whosoever will. That means every one of your children, every one of your neighbors, everyone who you think is impossible, so that anyone, everyone, no one need be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Jesus wants to put your world right again. That doesn't mean there won't be obstacles. That doesn't mean there won't be challenges. But you'll have that peace, the wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting God, Almighty Father God, walking with you, holding you, loving you, speaking to you, leading you, guiding you, Jesus began that babe in a manger. 
and the shepherds, just people, just you, me, just people. I love that. The gospel is for whosoever. Thank God we're part of that. I believe there's a lot for us to do. There's a a simple message of God so loves you. God is for you. God came not to mess your world up, but to set your world right. It's the devil that messes up people's world. It's the devil when sin entered in that messed things up. God came to make it right. Pray with me now. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, maybe you have, maybe you just need to come back to the Lord and just say, Lord, you know, I dedicate my life to you fresh and new. I'm your child. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I just want to be everything you made me to be. Just pray this prayer, something like this. Pray it from your heart and mean it. Say, God in heaven, I come in Jesus' name. And I believe with all my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that Jesus is alive and Jesus is Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. I will serve you all the days of my life. Fill me today and every day with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, thank you for making me your child. Oh my, what a privilege. What a wonderful thing. If you prayed that prayer, hallelujah. Tell someone. Take a stand. Be like the shepherds were. Say, man, I'm going to tell everybody. You mean I'm not going to hell anymore? You mean I'm forgiven? You mean God loves me? You mean He's not mad at me? You mean God's not holding all my past against me? You mean God has a bright future for me? You mean God has divine relationships for me? You mean God has a good plan? You mean I can serve Jesus and be happy all the days of my life? You mean the storms of life? Yeah, they'll come, but I'm going to go through all those storms and I'm going to make it? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what the Bible says. Thank God we're blessed, aren't we?